Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading at verse 10 and read down through verse 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that, it, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 5 and now in Ephesians chapter 6, there clearly is the um, atmosphere of conflict. There's battle. There's um, clashing when kingdoms clash. And yet, we often think of it as when the kingdom of God clashes with the kingdom of evil, it to be like Mark chapter 5. Wow, this is a this is a big thing. Stand back and watch what's going to happen here. But we understand that there is spiritual warfare that is going on continually. Let me ask you a few questions to think about. Where where do certain thoughts that you have come from? I mean, you may you may be driving down the road and and a thought comes in. Wonder what it'd be like to drive into that bridge abutment, or some weird thought like that, or some thought that is vile and wretched that comes into your mind. Where do certain thoughts come from? How do you explain in your life conflict, division, anger, bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, broken relationships? How do you explain that? We have a lot of explanations for it, but 
Why do politicians do such foolish things? I mean, that you think, well, anyone with common sense would know that that is not good. Why is abortion such an issue? Why is there such hatred for Israel and America? Why are you tempted to be greedy, immoral, Where do the temptations for all the perversions we see come from? There's only one explanation to all of these, and it is the spiritual warfare. It is a clash of kingdoms. And before we go on, if you're warm and by a window, get up and open up a window, okay? Because it's getting warm in here, and... um, If you don't want to do that, then don't complain to me about it being hot, all right? But uh, And if they're not doing it and you're hot, you can get up and go do that, all right? Any rate, Mark 5 gives us a picture of a great clash of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ came into the world and, and Jesus, on purpose, crossed over... Because he wanted to show his power. And immediately the conflict and the clash. They no more hit the ground. than here comes this demon-possessed man that, that was a, a, literally a freak to the people there. I mean, I don't know how many of you have pulled chains apart with your trucks or bulldozers or anything. But I doubt any of you have seen any human being pull chains apart. And this was this guy that had people in fear, and here's this conflict. But the conflict was really not a conflict. It was two kingdoms clashing, but it was a kingdom submitting to another kingdom, and it was a powerful kingdom controlling this man and bringing devastation, and it was Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of Satan submitted to the kingdom of God. And through Mark 5, and we're not going to go into it this morning, you will go through it tonight in our studies, but in Mark 5, God shows to us that He is greater than demons, He is greater than disease, and He is greater than death. We've looked already. In Mark, one of the purposes He's showing us is that God is all-powerful. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He has all power, and yet He has come as a servant. But every day in our lives, there is a clash of kingdoms. And it's not as noticeable as the clash with the 
demon-possessed man in Mark 5. But every day, there is a clash in your life and in my life of two separate kingdoms. And every day, that battle rages in our life because of a number of things. Number one, we need to realize that we are at war. The overwhelming majority of us here today have never experienced truly physical war firsthand. We see reports. There's a few here that have, but we see reports. But we don't, we don't really know what war is. But we know enough from what we've read, what we've seen, that, and what we're seeing, that it's, it's horrible. And there are definite conflicts. But we need to come back as human beings, and even more particular, as believers, to realize we are in a war. Second Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. C.S. Lewis says, We live in occupied territory. That's what this world is. It's, it's occupied territory. It is occupied by the Satan and his hosts, and we are foreigners, we are pilgrims, we are strangers, and we are at war. Satan has come, John 10.10 tells us, to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, all those questions that I asked you before... Every one of them can fall under one of those three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. Unforgiveness, broken relationships, abortion, stupid decisions that are made to, to bring nations down, and on and on. It. You follow it back to its source, and it is... The operational methods of Satan. Steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do in your life. To steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life. If you are an unbeliever, if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Satan's attack with you is that he wants to make sure you never trust Christ so that he can damn you forever in the lake of fire. Because he knows you were made for fellowship with God. He hates God, and he wants to thwart any plan that God has for your life. And the ultimate thwarting of that is to keep you from Jesus Christ And that way you will be separated from God for all eternity. And He will do whatever He can to make sure you never personally trust Christ. He doesn't care how close you get. 
He doesn't care if you go to church. He doesn't care if you read your Bible. He doesn't care what you do as long as you don't trust Jesus Christ and call upon him for the forgiveness of sins. He says, as long as they don't do that, I have them. And he is very content with many people today that are very religious. Many people today that are sitting in a church. Many people today that are sitting in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, but they've never really placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Satan is content. I'm not going to disrupt that boat because I have them where I want them. If you are a believer... He is at work in your life and He hates you because you have left His ranks and have joined the enemy, Christ. And He hates you because you are made in the image of God. He hates you because Christ dwells within you. He hates you because you could be a mighty weapon used of God against His forces. And so He does all He can to hinder you from being used of God. We are at war, but the battle is not with flesh and blood. It is spiritual. The fact about our spiritual opponents. See, we get caught up in this life and we turn our focus to people. Well, look at the the politicians are doing that. And and look at that lady, you know, what she said about me or what that guy did to me and what my husband, what my wife said or what they did. And we get dealing with flesh and blood. This warfare is far more than flesh and blood. It is a spiritual warfare. And, And we need to understand that As he said in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And then he lists against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Some facts about our our spiritual opponents. One, they are numerous. Even as in Mark chapter 5, there were numerous legions that were controlling him. In Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, he lists, they are numerous. We have numerous opponents. They are powerful. They, as you see in Mark chapter 5, they are spiritual agents from the very headquarters of hell. The very headquarters of evil. They are wicked. They follow no moral code. They are opposed to all that is good, all that is holy, all that is right. They live only to do the devil's bidding. And they are very, very clever. He said, I want you to be able, in Ephesians 6, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. A.W. Tozer said, the devil is a better theologian than any of us, and he is still the devil. 
the, the demons that controlled the man in Mark chapter 5, they recognized who Jesus was. The Pharisees didn't recognize that. They didn't acknowledge he was the Son of God. They acknowledged he was the Son of God. They know, they know the Bible better than you know it. And they know how to twist it. And they know how to turn it. And they, they don't play by the rules. And they are out to steal and kill and destroy. So, we need to be aware of the devil's schemes. It's interesting, the word wiles, the word schemes, the, the deceitfulness of Satan, the trickery of it all, is an elaborate, systematic plan for a... For a preconceived goal. Satan doesn't care if he hits a home run. He he cares if he can gain an inch. And then an inch. And then an inch. And he's willing to play the long game. And he has been playing the long game for a long time. And he has been very, very effective in it. Because we often have been living like there wasn't a battle. Some of the tools of Satan's attack. The first one we notice is doubt. In the Garden of Eden, did God really say that? Did God really say you shouldn't eat of that tree? We begin to doubt. Another tool that Satan uses that we mentioned in passing last week on the parable of the seed and the sower, but it's the tool of distraction where other things become first place in our life. That sowing among the thorns, the, the pleasures of life, the deceitfulness of riches grow up and choke out the Word. We're distracted. See, he doesn't, He doesn't come as a roar and appear as a roaring lion. He doesn't come in a little red suit with horns and a pitchfork. He comes nonchalant. He appears as an angel of light, the Bible tells us. That means he appears like, this is good. And he distracts us. And it's not like, Hey, look clear over here. We'd say, no, that's a distraction. He says, look at this, and look at this, and look at this. And before we know it, we have forsaken the God we love. Oh, not forsaken Him in the sense that we deny Him, but He's a long way from first place in our life. And He distracts us. A little by little. He dilutes our faith to the point that we're not hot or we're not cold and we're lukewarm. And God says, I will spew you out of my mouth. 
I believe what we're seeing in our nation today is God said, I don't like this lukewarmness. And he says, I'm done with it. And if we turn to him with all our hearts and become hot, then God works. But Satan, a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, and we lose our first love. He brings deadness to our faith. Faith without obedience is dead. And we can easily get to the point that we're calloused. We hear and hear, but it never changes our heart. Don't confuse conviction with obedience. There's a great difference. And and it's one thing. I can read the Bible, but if it if it never gets into my life, if it never affects how I think during the day and what I say during the day, if it never reaches my life, it's dead. He attacks one of his favorites is discouragement and defeat. We get in, we start to obey God, and we don't see fruit, and we get discouraged, and we give up, and we just go through the motions, and we really don't have a growing, hungering, thirsting after God spirit. And of course, He's the master of pride, another tool he uses, thinking that we're something that we're not. Thinking we're better than others, thinking, I'm okay with God. Is that what God says? See, and in all of those, it's not like he's running at us and saying, I'm attacking you. It's not like this demon-possessed being is coming after us and, okay, boy, the battle's on. You get up in the morning and you say, oh, I'm a little late. I'll catch the Bible later today. Or you sit down and read the Bible, but it never reaches your heart. It never changes anything. Going through the... That's where the battle's going on. That's where Satan's attacking us. And, and if, if you're not experiencing the spiritual warfare, it may be there's two reasons. One, you aren't a child of God, so he's got you where he wants you. Two, you are a child of God, and he's got you where he wants you. You're ineffective. You're not showing the glory of God. You're not... Showing the power of God. You're not a tool used in God's hand. So he says, just let the sleeping dog lay. He's not bothering anything. We are in the midst of spiritual warfare that's not blatantly the level of the demoniac in Mark 5. But it is the same level in our lives, and Satan is wanting to choke the life out of you. 
in subtle little ways. And it's a little by little, little by little, and we need to come back and realize that I am in a war, and it is a war for my soul and in my soul. And to realize our victory is only in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. You and I don't have the power to destroy the works of the devil. There's... There's no set of beliefs that in and of themselves destroy the works of the devil. It is Christ and Christ alone that destroys the works of the devil. He alone can liberate us from Satan's kingdom by forgiving our sins. But I fear that that's where, that's all the farther we go. That we're, we trust Christ we come to Him for the forgiveness of sins, and now we say, I'm in God's kingdom, I'm ready to go home to heaven, and uh, come get me, Lord. And God says, no, I brought you to this kingdom, to serve in this kingdom, and to have a heart for the King, willing to do whatever He wants, and you do have an adversary, and He is out to get you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I mean, realizing in me as a believer is Jesus Christ, and that's all the power that I need. I don't need something else. I need Jesus Christ, and that ought to drive me to God in a dependence upon him like I've, like I've never had before. God, I desperately need you. I'm not aware of the devices of Satan. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. My will often wants to go the wrong way. My spirit often is yielding to the flesh. And God, I need your power. I need your deliverance. I need you. Is your life, is the, the nature of your life that it has that spirit in it? God, I need you. Our victory is only in Jesus Christ. And victory is dependent upon us walking in truth. It's not enough to get it here in the head. It must be worked out of our lives. And there are two great weapons that God has given us. Basic, foundational, the two great weapons from Ephesians chapter 6 are this. The Word of God and all the armor that is there can all come back to the Word of God. Truth, that's the Word of God. 
The breastplate of righteousness, that's obeying the Word of God. The preparation of the gospel of peace, that's the Word of God. It's based in the Word of the Word of God. And then he says, and praying always. The Word of God and prayer. What are the two things you struggle the most with? Having a fervent, personal, growing walk with God and His Word. There's some of you here today, you haven't picked up your Bible since last Sunday when you took it home. Satan's got you right where he wants you. That's great. They're not talking to the commander-in-chief. They have no idea what's going on. Their faith is shriveling up. And you know what? They're caught up in what's this person doing, what's this person doing, and I don't like them, and they don't like me, and blah, 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 blah. And Satan says, whoa, this is perfect. And there are others that our prayer life is no different than praying a rosary. It's just one thing after another. Our heart really isn't in it. But when we realize how desperate we are for God, we go to the Word of God, and then when a thought comes into our mind, we test it against the Word of God, and we say, wait a minute. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. When you're tempted to think a wrong thought, you say, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not want. It's not you need to use that verse. You need Scripture. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he do? It is written. Another temptation. It is written. The third temptation. It is written. When's the last time you used the Word of God to combat a temptation to gossip, a temptation to be greedy? When is the last time you used the Word of God in your daily life? I'm afraid Satan has us right where he wants us. Well, I'm in church. As I said earlier, he doesn't care where we are and what we do if we don't walk in truth. You won't effectively use the Word of God and prayer unless you realize the warfare that you're in and how dependent we are upon God. The more I realize that in me a traitor lives, my flesh, Satan's got his trinity, so to speak, the world, the flesh, and the devil all war against my soul. And my flesh is a traitor to me, 
It is hands in hands with Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. And the sooner I realize that, the better I'll be, and it will drive me in an utter dependence upon God to go to His Word, to apply His Word in my daily life, and to see His power through prayer. I I fear because we don't see the power of the demons that we think we're not experiencing the battle. He doesn't need to bring fear of demonic power to us because he's already accomplishing his purposes. We're not dependent on God. We're doing it in our own self. We're filled with our knowledge and puffed up. And we're busy on an earthly plane. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual warfare. And if we begin to realize that and act accordingly, it will make a huge difference in our lives. So let me ask just a few questions. First of all, Have you been liberated from the kingdom of Satan? Every individual born into this world is born in the kingdom of Satan. They're born with a sin nature. You don't have to teach them it. There must come a time that we are liberated from the kingdom of Satan, and the only one that liberates us is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that liberated the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 4. And there must be a time that we say, I am a sinner, you are God, you died for my sins, and I call upon you to forgive my sins and save my soul. That alone liberates us from the kingdom of Satan. And puts us in the kingdom of God. But we still have our old flesh and our old nature. And that is at war. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to the other. So, the second question is, do you recognize the spiritual warfare in your life? I'm not, I'm not saying... Do you recognize when you meet a demon-possessed man? No, I'm saying in your life, how are the forces of evil joining together with your flesh and attacking you? If you were Satan, how would you attack you? See, we all have weaknesses. We all have... um, Achilles heels. We all have areas. But are you recognizing it as spiritual warfare? Or is it just a personality conflict? And then thirdly, how does your life manifest dependence upon God and His Word? 
How does your life manifest dependence upon God and His Word? If, if we were to look at your behavior, whose kingdom is it lining up with? Only two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self, which is of the kingdom of Satan. So if we were to look at, at your thought life, or your actions this last week, whose kingdom does it look like we're lining up with? And then, what hope of victory are you bringing to others? Here, the demon-possessed man said, I want to stay with you. And rightfully so. I mean, this guy just transformed his life. And what did he say? No, no, no. You go home and tell your friends what great thing God has done and how he has had compassion on you. If we're not walking in victory, how can we go tell others about victory? We can't. And, and honestly, that's one of the reasons we struggle with telling others, because we're not experiencing victory. So it, it kind of ha- has a hollow ring, and rightfully so, that God is able to do mightily in your life. We're defeated, we're discouraged, we're walking in the flesh and on the earthly plane and battling flesh and blood. It's hard to tell others of the victory. When we come to fully realize the greatness of the battle that we're in, we will have a dependence on God, a crying out to God, a hunger and thirst for His Word, it will be evident. So I ask one last question. Is there a warfare going on in your life, or does Satan have you right where he wants you? And and I don't want you saying, no, I'm a believer. He doesn't have me. As a believer... He can't take away your salvation, but he can make you of no effect, and that's how he wants you. Is there a battle going on in your life? No, it's it's not like someone's coming to you and cutting themselves and tearing chains apart and, and threatening you. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as comfort and ease, and ah, you don't need to do that. I mean, this is this is your interest and and you owe it to yourself and little by little by little he wins the victory. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would come to see first of all, if there are people that have never trusted you for the forgiveness of sins, I pray that 
even now they would be convicted by your spirit and call unto you for the forgiveness of sins. And then, Lord, I pray that you would awaken we as believers to the spiritual warfare. And I pray that we would have a renewed dependence on you. And, Lord, that that we would be instruments in your hands that can make a difference in this world that you've called us to. So, Lord, awaken us and help us to not be caught up in the flesh and blood battles. But, Lord, help us to walk in the spiritual battles and know that you will give us wisdom for the flesh and blood battles. So, Lord, we cry out to you for mercy. We need you. And may we see that need as never before, I pray 